and uh, be a blessing any way we can. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 19. And um, again, we're going to continue on with this. I'm excited. We're getting close to Easter. A couple more weeks, and, and Easter will be here. Hopefully, you're inviting uh, your friends and neighbors, family, co-workers that don't have a church home. Uh, I do want to remind you that if you haven't already got a, a yard sign uh, to go grab one. There was another family last week that uh, said, you know what, we're going to be a blessing to the church. And they gave uh, in a way that it enabled everybody to be able to just go get one. So if you want to continue to, if you want to say, you know what, I, I still give my $5, then you can do that, but uh, you don't have to worry about it. If you don't have a yard sign, please go get a yard sign before you leave today and uh, put that in your yard. Again, we want to invite as many people as we can so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, but uh, we, we were going through this study last week. And um, again, I, I love this. I love how we can just grab the different points and lessons along the way. Learning from that first church, again, this study has been called uh, The Church, walking verse by verse through the book of Acts and seeing what that first church looked like and how we compare. And I think that uh, if we were to, to give ourselves a report card, I think there was some things that we maybe are, are doing good. Uh, but in many ways, I think today the modern church, and, and, and specifically I would say, uh, the American church. And I'm not saying there's, that, that there's not good things going on and there's not, you know, people who are on fire and, and doing uh, amazing things for the kingdom of God, of course are. And there's a lot of people in this church that are doing that. And I never want to downplay that. But I think as a, as a whole, and in large part, in many respects, if you, if you will, um, the American church, I think, is failing if we were to grade ourselves compared to the early church. And um, again, that's why it's so important to see, see what it looked like in the beginning and see maybe how far we've come or how far we've been removed from what the church was and, and what God intends for it to be. But we talked about this couple last week, Aquila and Priscilla. We were introduced to them a few weeks ago, and, and last week we dug into a little bit more of who they were and what they were doing, and, and we saw how God was using them in, in great ways. We saw their example, and hopefully we're encouraged to and challenged to the first point we saw to be a faithful friend and a fellow laborer. Again, this is what they were to the Apostle Paul. Uh, this is what they were to the church there in Ephesus, the church in Corinth first, and the church in Ephesus. And they were, they were just faithful friends in the ministry and fellow laborers that could be entrusted. And that's why Paul, when he went back to Jerusalem ultimately to fulfill his vow, he left them in Ephesus entrusting them as leaders and as friends to handle the business and, and, the, and the ministry challenges there that existed in Ephesus because it was such a, a, a bustling city, if you will. Uh, but the second point we saw was be fruitful and full of gratitude where you are planted. And that is something that can be uh, difficult. We, we, we just sang a song, Oh, my restless heart finds rest in you, right? We can get restless in so many different ways. Things can go wrong. Things can get difficult at our job. And what's the, what, one of the first things that we, we do? Well, maybe I should need to find another job. You know, that's what, sadly, it's what happens in marriages. It's what happens in churches. Well, I just don't like this anymore. I just don't like this. I'm, maybe we just need to find somewhere else. And that, we'll talk a little bit more about that today. But that's just not the example we see in the first church. Um, God has put you here. And unless God removes you, you should be here. You should be fruitful here. You should be investing and sowing and watering and serving and, and, and pouring yourself out for the kingdom through the church that God has placed you in. And this should be done with a heart that's full of gratitude. Because just as we sang as well, there's nothing that we deserve. Our hearts are prone to wonder. You know, it's, 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 a, it's an amazing thing that God gave us grace, first of all, to even be his child, but second of all, to serve him. 
And so it's not like, well, the church is getting a deal when it got me. No, man. I mean, we are all sinners saved by grace and afforded this amazing privilege and God's grace and his, and his mercy to serve him. How privileged are we? How honored are we to serve God in any way? You want me to pick up trash? Absolutely. For the Lord, his church, amen. You mean to, you mean to what, what else do you want me to do? I'll do anything. A heart full of gratitude. That's, that's how we should serve. And uh, again, they, th- this couple was obviously uh, used in, in ways that could be seen and also inconspicuous ways. There's things that we know that Scripture doesn't record that they were doing or maybe not doing in ministry that advanced the kingdom cause. And, and again, God rewarded them for that uh, accordingly. But this morning we move forward in this study, in this third missionary journey, the Apostle Paul, and hopefully gain some more encouragement as, again, as Christians, members of a church, and, and, and seeing how we can apply this scripture and these lessons to our lives. So Acts chapter 19, verse 1 is where we pick up. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, if you remember, uh, that's one of the things that we saw was Aquila and Priscilla were investing in Apollos, this fireball of a preacher. He was eloquent. He was learned. He was on fire. He just needed a little bit of discipleship. They invested in him. They fanned the flames. They didn't get jealous. They weren't like, well, why is he doing Why is he getting the intent? They weren't doing that. They invested in this young man, and God used him. He ends up going back to his home in Greece, Corinth specifically, and doing a great work there in Corinth. We talk about that a little bit. So great that people mis, uh, misconnected with him and kind of said, oh, we're of Apollos. We're disciples of Apollos. Just like people were saying, oh, we're disciples of Paul. And Paul had addressed that. We saw that last week in, in the letter of the first, uh, in, in First Corinthians. Um, but so Apollos is there in Corinth ministering. And so this is what's happening while that's going on. Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus. Again, this is where Aquila and Priscilla were left. He found some disciples there, of course. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we've not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit or not. And he said in verse 3, into what then were you baptized? And they said, well, into John's baptism, of course. I mean, this is the way that all believers in God have had to come. We've trusted what God has promised and John was foretelling of the Messiah, and he was, he was, he was uh, preaching repentance for the kingdom of God, and so that's how we got baptized. We put our faith in God and, and did it like that. In verse 4, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him, and that is in Jesus. So he kind of consummates their understanding, consummates their faith, with the message of the gospel, of Jesus Christ being the Messiah, Jesus being the Savior of the world. And when they heard this, the Bible says in verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. And the word tongues there, make clear, is the word language. Um, it's not a foreign language. It's not a uh, made-up language. It's not a, uh, a, a, an angelic language. The 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 Greek word, the, the structure here, all points to the fact that it was a language. It was a known language, but it was unknown, per se, to the people who were actually speaking it. We talked about this in Acts chapter 2 when we looked at the day of Pentecost, but this is exactly the same thing. One of the, the, the important parts of this was these were Gentile believers that just got saved. And one of the things that the Jews, specifically the religious leading Jews, the people who were Pharisaic and the people who were legalistic, they were not positive that Gentiles, even though the Jerusalem Council already happened in Acts chapter 15, they weren't positive that Gentiles could, could be saved the way that it was, they were saying it was happening. And so this was one way that God showed and demonstrated that absolutely Gentiles were being saved. 
The Holy Spirit was manifested in this outward type of way to show this is exactly what a work of God. This was not a work of man. This is not some weird, uh, you know, mojo going on. This was God, His Holy Spirit, filling these people and then manifesting it through the speaking in different language uh, or languages and foretelling or foretelling specifically the truth of the gospel. So there was all in all about 12 minutes, says in verse 7. So what happens next is he goes to the synagogue and continues to speak, uh, speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Look, look what happens in verse 9, right? Nine, uh, three months, 90 days. This, this is something that he's been doing on and on and on and on, going in there and preaching the gospel, teaching, persuading them, convincing them about the kingdom of God. And then verse 9, it looks like he comes up against a little bit of a roadblock, a stone wall. Some of them become hardened in their hearts. Not just harden in their hearts, but become disobedient. And then beyond just disobedient to what the truth was and what they should be doing, they begin speaking evil of the way in front of everybody. Poisoning the water, if you will. So when that happened, he withdrew from them. He took away the disciples that were there. And he began reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This all took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now, you read that story and say, that's an interesting story. It's neat to see what, what can we draw from that. And hopefully we'll draw exactly what God wants us to draw from it. But to me, the picture is clear. Again, because of the great investment, because of, of this work of this early missionary, the, the, the missionary journey here, which included the investment of Aquila and Priscilla, we see this healthy reproduction. There were disciples there, and people were getting saved, and, and, there's, and, and, and I want you to get the picture, right? Go, go back and remember what it said that he was doing and how many people got saved from what he, when he encountered. Tw Twelve men and all, it said. Now you would think, man, oh, where, where's the multitudes? Where's the Apostle Paul? But we see this healthy production, this healthy reproduction. It's important for, for us to also grab hold of this element of what we do as a church. And it's this, our, our discipleship is to be based off of what Jesus did and taught. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. He mimicked this in his ministry. And, and, and this is one of the verses that we've used even as a theme verse. Uh, this is one of the verses that we, we talk about when we talk about discipleship in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 2, Paul would charge Timothy, his son in the ministry, he would say, and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, you need to commit these same things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And if you've been involved in this, if you have been in any way or, or, or in any way uh, involved in our discipleship, in our church, investing and discipling others, then you know that there are going to be times that the fruit becomes apparent, Right? You're, you're, you're sitting down with this person or you're spending time with this person praying, going through scriptures, and they're growing. Man, and they're, they're becoming more faithful. They're becoming more bold in their witness. They're, 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 they're being able to talk and, and handle the scriptures even more um, uh, fluidly. It, it, it's, it's, it's affecting their life. The fruit is obvious. And maybe you've been a part of a ministry and the discipleship looks like a group, whether it's kids or whether it's a, a, an adult connect group or teens or whatever. You, you, you're investing and you're, you're, you're discipling these others and it becomes apparent. But then we all know if you've been involved in this, there are absolutely times. And I would say probably the majority of times and seasons that it doesn't look like any of this. 
that it doesn't look like there's any fruit coming from it. Any, any person here that's been involved with it can, can attest to the fact that, that those are some of the discouraging and, and disappointing times. You invest, and you invest, and there's time, and there's effort, and there's prayer, and there's, there's time, and there's effort, and there's prayer, and there's discipleship, and talks, and discussions, and late phone calls, and, and texts, and, and visits, and emails, and, and all these things, and, and then there's just this nothing. Where's the fruit? Where's the response? Why, why? I mean, this is God's word. This is God's kingdom. They're supposed to have the Holy Spirit in them. They're supposed to be responding in a, in a positive way. Why isn't it happening? But if you've been in ministry and you've been invo- involved in this in any amount of time, you know that's the way it goes in the gospel ministry. Nothing's been different. Again, we see the Apostle Paul go into this city, invest, and immediately 12 people get saved. But then he goes on for reasoning for, th- uh, for three months, and all of a sudden everything gets stonewalled. No movement. No growth. Matter of fact, the opposite, the attack of growth. And that's where some people want to quit. It appears to be a closed door. You know, Jesus faced opposition, right? We know that. Jesus faced opposition in his life all the way through, through his death. And here we see the Apostle Paul facing it. And I want to encourage you this morning... Whether you say, well, I've never been involved in discipleship. I've never been involved in leading a ministry. I've never been involved in like a small group. I've never been in, in, involved in that. But whether you're, you're hoping or praying or sharing even with a family member, hoping, praying, sharing with maybe a friend or a coworker, somebody that, that you really, really are hoping to see get saved or, or their life to be turned around and, and revived and get back on track for the Lord, there's going to be some difficult times where the gospel we're discipleship. And please hear these words too. Even your love for them is rejected. And that can be one of the most difficult slaps in the face. Is when you're pouring yourself out and it's from love. And it's rejected. Right? Because that's the difficult thing that we all face in life in our relationships. Right? No, nobody wants to be rejected. Nobody wants to feel that feeling of rejection, which to me is an amazing demonstration of the love that God had for us even coming to this earth, knowing he was going to be rejected, knowing that he was going to be despised and afflicted, knowing that he was going to be crucified on a cross, knowing that even the people who were very close, the, most, the closest to him would betray him and leave him. What amazing love. Again, that's the example that we have is in the face of rejection, in the face of of, I'm done with this, in the face of of all of that is the example that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ that I believe the Apostle Paul, and I'm not saying it was easy for him, but I believe he was following. This rejection of the truth, this rejection of the love, rejection of the investment, rejection of the relationship. Three months investment, all the time, just simply out of love, sharing the truth, sharing the gospel. And then what he got in return was not just, we don't want any more of what you're saying, Paul, but they begin to attack the very message and the way it says. Again, we get the encouragement from our Lord in Luke chapter 6, verse 26. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. 
Look, if you're preaching the truth and you're teaching the truth and you're, 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 you're telling somebody what they should be doing according to God's word or what they should be avoiding according to God's word, if you're in that discipleship process, guess what people are going to do? They are going to reject that if they're not right with the Lord. They're going to want to walk away from that if their hearts are not softened but hardened. Jesus would say, look, they hated me. To be sure they're going to hate you. They hated me first. But hear these words, just because we face difficulty and even rejection, it never negates the call to spread the gospel. Point number one this morning in our notes is this, the will and the want will be tested, but we must continue faithfully in love. The will and the want that we have will be tested. Uh, Use that in... Um, a funeral message that I preach. The will that we have is the choices we make and the one are the desires that we have. And there's sometimes those, those choices and those desires line up and there's sometimes those desires and choices don't line up. For example, I don't know that anybody, if we were to ask the question, hey, do you want to spend eternity in hell? Hey, do you want to spend eternity where there's weeping and gnashing and, and, and wail, gnashing of teeth, there's wailing? Do you, do you want to spend eternity uh, in a place where there's no hope of rescue, no hope of relief? Do you want to spend eternity in a place where, where you will never be relieved of the torment that you're in? You will be tormented day and night forever and ever with Satan and all his demons. Do you want that? I don't know anybody who would be like, you know what, sign me up. <laughs> I want that. You know, I don't know anybody who wants that. But the sad reality is many, many, many people, and this is according to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, many will will that. They will choose that based on their rejection of Jesus Christ. And so while they may not want it, they will it. They choose it. And there's things that we have in our life that we desire. There's there's absolutely wants that we have, and there's, there's choices that we make. And sometimes we make our choices based on what we want versus what God wants. And sometimes we don't make the t- decisions based on what God wants. Uh, we, we make it based on what somebody else wants. Or, but we all have choices and desires, wills and wants. And with our service to God, we know, as I said a while ago, we're going to face roadblocks. We're going to come a- against opposition. There's going to be things Sadly, sometimes we saw last week with those two people that Paul said, you need to take care of that. Tell those ladies to take care of it. I think we're going to see it this week too. We're going to face roadblocks in ministry, relationships. People we're trying to reach, people we're investing in, people that we're laboring alongside. There's going to be roadblocks. It's easy to get discouraged when we run into roadblocks as we're serving God. I, I, I know that I've talked to many people before I felt like they should quit ministry or quit church because they came up against opposition. They came up against some roadblocks. The fruit wasn't very apparent anymore. The, the 12 people that were just led to the Lord were years ago and nothing's really happened anymore other than opposition. It's easy to get discouraged when we run into roadblocks. Something's changed. Something becomes more difficult as it used to be easy. Paul was laboring. The, the, the word is labor. He was laboring in Ephesus. And he was there where his friends were, the ones that were an encouragement to him. 
where Apollos was working before and investing and doing a great work there in the synagogue and, 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 and teaching the truth with, with skill and, and eloquence and before we went to, uh, to, to Corinth. And again, while there were people who were being positively affected, verse 9 says that there were some becoming hardened and disobedient and even attacking the gospel message. The sad reality in, 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 in ministry, and as much as we want everyone to love each other, to strive for this. Look, I'm telling you right now, as a pastor, man, I, I, it's not about, um, for me, it's not about like performance or wows or, or anything like that. My greatest desire, this is it, this is my greatest desire, is that we would all be unified, striving for the same thing. That we would have a love for each other that is so unique that, as the Bible says, surpasses all of our shortcomings and offenses. That, that's, that's what Scripture says that love looks like, genuine love. A love that's so real that when the world looks at how we interact with each other and how we get through things, they say, that, that love is, is a one of a kind. That love is, is, is only found in Christians. That's, that's the desire. I believe that every minister, I believe every, every person who has the Holy Spirit in them wants that. But as much as we want everyone to love each other and strive for the same thing, to have right relationships, to have right attitudes, to actually respond positively when God's word is preached or taught or shared or, or anything like that, the truth in the reality is this, th that doesn't happen. There are those and there will be those who are not on board. There are those and there will be those who are even detractors who in private conversations or even public conversations have critical things to say, to take away from what God is doing. There are going to be those who hurt through their actions. They hurt through their attitudes and their speech. There are going to be those negative elements in the midst of the work of God. This is a group of people who were hardened, and they were disobedient. There were negative elements in the work there. But it's so important to see how Paul responded to it. Instead of stopping the gospel ministry altogether, instead of, instead of saying, you know what, okay, uh, I don't want to deal with these people anymore. <laughs> uh, they can go to hell if they want to. You know, I mean, it wasn't like the, the apostle Paul washed his hands completely of the city. Instead of stopping, instead of leaving Ephesus, and hear this, please. We recently had this discussion. It's something that I've had to tell myself and, 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 and Rochelle and I in, 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 the, in the time that we've spent in ministry, constantly reminding ourselves, instead of focusing on the negatives, what does he do? He changes gears. That's what he does. He doesn't stop. He doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. He doesn't become zeroed in on the negatives because that's exactly what everybody has the temptation to do. That's what happens in marriage relationships with kids. That's what happens in, in school. That's what happens in the church. Something negative comes up and then all of a sudden it's like <laughs> everything becomes about the negative. Instead of doing that, he kind of shifts gears and says, okay, what, what can we do to be fruitful for the kingdom of God where God has placed us? What can we do here still? So he goes and he begins ministering, discipling in the school of Tyrannus. And I, I believe the reason why that was is because God wasn't done with Paul there. He wasn't done with Paul, period. Again, we saw that last week. Be fruitful where you're planted. If God has put you here, if God has put you there, then be fruitful there. I, I've told people who have come to, 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 um, um, to join our church before, 
and gone through the new members class and found out they're coming from another church that is in the area and all they had was a, a negative experience at that church. And I told them, have you talked to that pastor? Have you made things right? Have you, have you reconciled? Is everything good? And, and why are you coming? Why are you leaving? And there have been people that I, I've said, I, you don't need to join our church. I said, really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not God's design. That's not God's will. I don't want just anybody to, to come here because they got upset in another, another church because guess what's going to happen? They're going to get upset here and go to another church. That's not God's will. It's sadly too easy, though, when things get tough in church today, when something doesn't go someone's way, we don't like something, they don't like someone, they get their feelings hurt. Instead of working it out and doing what God has entrusted them to, to, to do there, Oftentimes, many times, it's just easier to find a different flavor of ice cream at the ice cream shop. A different version of the same thing. Another church. Every church deals with this, including ours. But we, know, we have to know that God isn't particularly pleased when this happens. And I believe it's not particularly. I believe that God is absolutely not pleased when this happens. I'll make a qualification here. If there's doctrinal error, if there's error involved, it's a different thing. I think there should be a conversation with the preacher or the leadership if there's doctrine, doctrinal error, if there's error involved. If the church started preaching another Jesus, a, a different gospel departs from sound doctrine, disengaged from sharing the gospel and from discipling other people, or again, embracing sin and worldliness. I think those are serious reasons to have serious conversations with the pastor and or leave the church if they don't, they don't change, of course. But we see this example in Paul, again, that was in Jesus to bear with one another, to strive for unity and resolve normal issues, to move forward in ministry, listen, in harmony. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, you Christians, put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Listen to these words, bearing with one another. What does that mean? That means, look, you're going to have shortcomings. I'm going to have shortcomings. They're going to have shortcomings. They're going to have shortcomings. They're going to miss the mark. They're going to miss the mark. I'm going to miss the mark. They're going to mess up. That's the way it's going to go. But when love prevails, you can bear with one another. And you can forgive each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you in the same way that Jesus forgave you in a moment, in an instant, completely buried under the blood, cast as far as the east is from the west, thrown in the sea of forgetfulness, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love. That is the perfect bond. That's the glue of unity. How does the church stay united? How does the ministry stay together? How do people continue on in the face of rejection? How does Paul stick? Why did Paul stay? Why did he keep serving in the school of Tyrannus there in Ephesus when he could have said, done with you guys? What, what, why? Because love is the perfect glue in unity. How are we going to stay together? By having sincere love for one another. That's what Scripture says, Faith, uh, love unfeigned, not, not hypocritical uh, love. And he says, let the, peace, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Paul exhorted a couple women, as I said a while ago, in the Philippian church this way. They had a spat. <gasps> they had a spat. Ladies had a spat in the church 
What happened? Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Yodia, one lady, and I urge Syntyche, another lady, to live in harmony in the Lord. Live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who've shared in my struggle. So they, they were a part of, they're, they're a part of the gospel ministry. They're working together, but they came across an issue that they're spatting and they're not in harmony with one another. In the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. God's here. He's watching. He knows when, when our hearts are not right, when our, when our spirits are not right. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard, protect your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, then dwell on these things. What did we say a while ago? It's so easy to dwell on the negative things. He says, but you're going to have to battle what happens in life and ministry by making sure you make a concerted effort to think on these things, to dwell on, on the things that are right and excellent and worthy of praise, the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, this is the Apostle Paul writing, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, spiritual stability depends on mutual love, harmony, and peace between believers. Spiritual stability, you want a stable uh, a home life, you want a stable ministry life, you want a stable church life, then it depends on the mutual love and harmony and peace that exists between believers. Apparently the disunity in the Philippian church was about to destroy the integrity of its testimony. That's what was going on in that Philippian church. That's why it was so important that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write in his letter to the Philippian church that these ladies would work it out. And so it is with any church. If there's not unity and love, it destroys the testimony of the church to anybody who would come here, but anybody that is without. The church of Ephesus was and was to become a great laboring church, but they also would be lacking in something later. You know what it was? Love. You turn over to Revelation, and as the, the, uh, uh, John begins to pen the, the letters, the the things that were addressing the different churches there in Asia Minor. To the church at Ephesus, they, he, he wrote, uh, Jesus told that church, man, you do good. Man, you got a lot of good works. You got a lot of stuff going for you. You know what? You've left your first love. I shared this morning our devotion, our praise team devotion, Brother Tony was sharing. It's so true. I've shared it before from this pulpit. The more you love the Lord, the closer you grow to his heart, the more you love other people because people are his heart. That's what happens. So if there's, if there's a, a separation from love and, and, and unity and, and, and connection to the, the, the believers that God has put, put in your life, whether it's in your, your small group or in the ministry you serve in or in your church overall, if, if, if there's a disconnect from that, then I'm telling you right now, and I'm not trying to play God at all, that's just the truth and the reality that we see in Scripture, your love for God is lacking. You cannot get close to the heart of God and not love people more. 
You can't. The vital element for every Christian is what gives us sticking power. It's what caused Paul to, to continue on in ministry there, even though people were railing against the, the message that he was, he was teaching. It's what caused Jesus, again, our, our Lord, our Savior, our example, to on the cross say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The vital element is what gives us forgiving power. It's what gives us gold, silver, precious stones. Rewards that will last the fire of God's evaluation on that day of judgment versus being in a church and serving without this element and building with wood, hay, and stubble and losing those rewards at that same judgment. Yes, we have to have the Holy Spirit. Can't do anything without Him and honor God. Can't have the Holy Spirit. Can't, can't do it without the Spirit's inspiration, the filling of the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have to have faith because without faith it's impossible to please God. We absolutely have to have that. But above all, we must have love, sincere love. Again, it gives us sticking power. Even when we are and when the gospel is rejected. Even when hearts that we're trying to minister to and with grow hard and cold. Even when disobedience becomes the norm in the ministry that we're serving in. What happens? Love sticks. Love endures. Love perseveres. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, then I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and, and I understand all minis, uh, mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, all faith, so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I have, every dime that I have, every position I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned for the sake of the gospel, but I don't do it in love, I gain absolutely nothing. So what kind of love are you talking about? The kind of love that the Lord has, that we are to have, is patient and kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. This love doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things, it hopes all things, and love endures all things. I don't know if you mark in your Bible, but I would, I would encourage you to underline those words, all things. Love never ends. Prophecies, they're going to pass away. Tongues, they're going to cease. Knowledge it's going to pass away because we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. We don't see the whole picture. We don't understand everything fully right now. But one day, face to face will be our experience. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I've been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These are what we're left with, these three. But the greatest of all of these is love. Paul would eventually write a letter to this church, again in Ephesus, as I said a while ago, to ensure that they remember to give every effort for some things. He says this, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. This is that church. This is that city that he was in. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another 
Look at these words. In love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your callings, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Later on he would say this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. No destructive speech. You shouldn't be using your words to tear other people down. You shouldn't be using your words to criticize other people. You shouldn't be using your words in a negative way. But only such is good for building up. As it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So we can grieve the Holy Spirit if we do that. But don't grieve the Holy Spirit. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger and clamor, fighting, arguing, slander. That's backbiting, gossiping, talking about people. Let it all be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. He says it again, as God and Christ forgave you. The next chapter he would say, Therefore be imitators of God, beloved children, and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'm going to stop there this morning. We'll gain the next point next week if the Lord wills and then move on from there. But I want to encourage you this morning. If, you're been, if you've been a Christian, if you're serving the Lord right now, maybe you've been involved in ministry before and you, you have stopped. Maybe you've even considered because you felt like there's been opposition or maybe you've been discouraged in the ministry you're serving in or maybe you've You've not found where you're supposed to be serving. You say, well, maybe we just go somewhere else. Maybe I should just move on. Maybe you had an issue with a brother or sister in Christ and you haven't resolved that fully. Listen, the answer is not to let bitterness, wrath, and strife, and division rule and reign and win, and win, the, win this situation. The answer is to let love win. The answer is to, to do it God's way. We see in the Apostle Paul this every reason, every reason to get frustrated, bitter, upset, and say, you know what, I'm done. I'll just go somewhere else. There's plenty of other cities in this area. No, he said, you know what? God's not done here. I'll go, I'll go minister in the school of Tyrannus. And for two years he did that and invested. And a great church arose in Ephesus. Great church, mighty church. I want to encourage you. Let's make sure when, when our will and our way is tested, because it is going to be tested, when we, we fall into that place where we say, man, it's, it's difficult to continue on, continue faithful in love. Let love drive you. Let love be at the forefront of everything you do. Let love be the, the root of your words. Let, let love be the root of your actions. Let love be the root of your attitude. Let love rule. And see what God doesn't do through that. Man, it's, it's, it's so much joyful, just like he said in Colossians chapter 3. There is peace. You can let the peace of God rule in your heart when love is reigning. Man, there, there, when love is reigning in your heart, when, when, you're being, when you're serving and operating in love, it's, it's, it's so easy to continue because you have the Holy Spirit's help. Just make sure. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't get bitter. Don't get contentious. Continue faithful in love. If you're here this morning and um, 
you're disconnected from this because you don't feel like you have a personal relationship with Christ. You're not 100% positive that heaven's going to be your home. And I, I, I beg you today, don't leave this place without having that conversation with somebody. As I shared a while ago, God, God demonstrated his love for us and that he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. In the face of all kinds of rejection and betrayal, he still went to the cross and died for us. He was put in a grave, and three days later, he rose again. He offers life to all who would entrust their life to him. And if you've never had that moment in your life where you have truly entrusted your life to Jesus Christ, you've made him Lord over all of your life, you've repented of your sins, and you've turned to him in faith to save you, if you've never done that, and the Bible says that you are still under the condemnation, you are still under the judgment of your sin. God's wrath still abides on your life, and unless you turn to Jesus Christ, you will die in that sin. You will die in that state with the, your, God's wrath on your head, and you will spend eternity paying for that sin. But it doesn't have to be that way because God so loved the world. And so, again, don't leave this place. You can come down to this altar here in just a second. We're going to have an invitation. You can come down here, and we can talk to you about that. Or before you leave, you can stop by the Welcome Center and say, hey, i got to know about that heaven stuff. <laughs> I want to know about that. But please don't leave here without knowing for sure. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you for this example, Lord. We see the Apostle Paul, again, facing another situation in adversity, another, another circumstance where he could have gotten upset and bitter and, and uh, just washed his hands. But uh, just see this devotion to be faithful to what you've called him to, Lord. Uh, see this example of not allowing his emotions to control him, Lord. Lord, to see this example where he is uh, faithful and fruitful where you planted and just operating in love and becomes apparent. Lord, help us to take that example and apply it in our lives. Lord, I, I, I know there's many people in here and even conversations that have been had uh, with several, several people uh, that get frustrated and get uh, disheartened and get discouraged in ministry. Um, Lord, help us just keep our eyes on you. Uh, help us to just joy and delight in you. Um, we're vessels. It's all about you. And so, Lord, help us just to operate in love and, and be fruitful how we can be fruitful for your kingdom's sake. Lord, I ask you to move now as we respond to your word, and we'll praise you for that. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As he sings, I want to encourage you to come.